Yes, I'd like to welcome you to the next episode of Crosscut Maker Podcast. And if you have been tuning in, you know that this is a pretty much eschatological podcast now. It has been for more than a year. Let's see, the last time I did a podcast was August 27th. So it has been a little longer than normal. It's been a month. I usually go every two or three weeks. But um, what I do is I allow enough things to build up that I think would be that are significant enough to mention and then I do a podcast um, I do all kinds of other ministries on mainly on social media and you can find the main website is crosscutcommentaries.simplesite.com and then you can find me on social media pretty much all platforms at crosscutmaker twitter, instagram, facebook reddit Pinterest and um, Tumblr. I post things on all those platforms and you can find the links to the websites and other things. And the website that I do the summary of what I do here pretty much is the end of the age indications is uh, eoa-ind.simplesite.com. Now that is a new website by the way. Um, I do, I post my material on free websites so I could use multiple ones without paying. But for whatever reason, I was sent an email three weeks ago saying that the one EOA-indicators, uh, spelled out .simplesite.com, wasn't going to be free anymore after a month. So I went ahead and switched all the material over and I have done that already. So it's on both right now, but I think in a week the uh, indicators website will be taken down. So if the, the one you want to visit if you're looking for a summary of eschatological uh, things, then the indications that we are indeed approaching the end of the age. It's eoa-ind.simplesite.com and it's simplesite is s-i-m-p-l-e-s-i-t-e dot com. Alright, so I do, you can find a lot of that stuff there if you're interested. Um, but since we have last had a podcast, mostly, almost everything I'm going to talk about today has to do deal with Middle East peace. Because there have been other significant events, some weather events, volcano in, uh, in Spain, and some other flooding events. But for the most part, it has been, the notations that I have written down have been primarily about Middle East peace. Which of course is the trigger to the tribulation period. And so there are multiple indications, indicators I think, that you can observe that God is setting the stage for the tribulation period, multiple ones. But I, I think the, the two primary ones that you can focus on for sure are Israel involved in a peace process and the temple. Because those are two things that are very, very crucial to the tribulation period. You will have a, there is a seven year peace agreement involving Israel that triggers the tribulation period. And then, of course, in the tribulation period, they will, by the midpoint at least, they will have a temple and do, be doing animal sacrifices. We know that because the Antichrist stops that, sits in the temple, claims to be God. So you know there's a temple. So there are the two humongous um, signs that you can look for to see that we are approaching the uh, tribulation period. Like I said, if you want to see the other one, there are many others. There's the seven, I focus on, well, I guess eight, if you count biblical birth pangs. Uh, these global biblical birth pains, I do believe, are part of the uh, 
process building to the tribulation period. But the other, the other seven I focus on are Israel and nation, Israel involved in a peace process, which is what we'll talk about today. A push for one unified religion, um, temple, as I mentioned, Turkey, Iran, um, yeah, Turkey, Iran, and Russia forming alliances, this Ezekiel coalition, and showing aggression towards Israel. The necessary technology. I'm leaving one out, but I can't think of that right offhand. It was the third one I thought. But um, anyway, you can find those again on eoa-ind.simplesite.com. But today we are going to talk about primarily Middle East peace, which would involve Israel, obviously. So there was a, this was several weeks ago, I think two or three weeks ago, nine countries met in Baghdad to promote Middle East peace, especially between Saudi Arabia and Iran. And you also had some other significant talks going on. Palestinian President Abbas, Jordan King Abdullah, Egyptian President al-Sisi, al-Sisi, I think so you say it, have trilateral, trilateral meeting together in al-Sisi, the Egyptian President and Israeli Prime Minister Naftali Bennett met in hopes to jumpstart the Israeli-Palestinian negotiations. These were pretty much not unprecedented, but it had been almost a decade for one, and, and I think four or five years for the other that, that these have happened. And so we've seen over the past, especially since the Gaza-Israeli conflict in May of 21, earlier this year, you've seen a real intensity, an increase in intensity for the desire for Middle East peace, because everybody knows this, this just little ceasefire is going to blow up again. There's things going on every week that could be the, you know, that could inflame the situation. And so everybody understands, and we have multiple other circumstances in the Middle East that we'll talk about as well. But those are pretty significant meetings. Of course, Jordan has uh, control of the Temple Mount, and so they're involved in a lot of these discussions. So I think that's significant, that they're going to have to be a part of this. And what's interesting also is if you read in, I think it's Daniel, where you gain the information that Jordan is spared when the Antichrist and his military invade Israel at the midpoint, that Jordan is spared from his rage. I wish I would have written down that scripture. Because I heard it, looked it up, and it's true. Um, and so you have this in the Jordan King Abdullah. He has been just about everywhere in these Negotiations, and he just spoke at the uh, United Nations General Assembly, and he again called for the whole focus is on Israeli-Palestinian negotiations. As I've said this before, and I'll say it again. I think that's the linchpin to the tribulation agreement is that issue, and there are other issues in the Middle East, all kinds of them, but that'll be the I think the, the key to solving that the Antichrist will solve to bring everybody in because Saudi Arabia has talked about how they're not part of the Abraham Accords right now, but they would become, the only way they would become part of those accords are if the two-state solution was settled between Israeli Israel and Palestinians, the Palestinians. And there's many other moderate countries around there that have a very similar opinion. Now, and these are the only the, these are the publicly announced meetings that have been going on, and these are, like I said, these are significant historically, 
And uh, but but I've also heard and believe that true Middle East agreements get done behind closed doors. And there's been a lot of whispers about all kinds of uh, meetings going on behind closed doors. You know, we mentioned I think it was last podcast how the United States, the Palestinians, and Israel were meeting secretly, and and then. Uh, Israel and the Palestinians were meeting secretly. A lot of this stuff that gets done that ends up leading to agreements are behind the scenes because everybody, and that's pretty clear why, because they're very sensitive to negotiations and could cause just the fact that they're talking could cause problems in their own countries. So I think you have this incredible press for a for Middle East peace going on publicly and privately. And on top of that, you have, uh, of course, Iran is the huge, probably the biggest issue in the Middle East right now. And it's been going on for, for years and years, if not decades, This their desire to have nuclear weapons. And now we're coming down to it now. Iran is said to be one month from becoming nuclear. And that's, when I heard that, that was a week or two ago. So I don't, you know, they I've heard this before, that they're, you know, such and such a time away, and then they don't quite get there. But it, it seems to be pretty respectable opinion to, to say that Iran is really, really close to becoming nuclear. And, and Israel has said, and I believe them, they will not let Iran become nuclear. They, which means they would have to attack them directly. Not, you know, they have proxy wars going on continuously now. And everybody knows Israel bombs the uh, Iranian uh, assets in Syria. And you know they go tit for tat, but it's not a it's not a direct war between Israel and Iran right now. But Israel will, in I don't know if they say invade. They probably wouldn't actually put boots on the ground, but they would they would attack Iran directly and and attempt to wipe out their nuclear facilities because they're not going to let them become nuclear, and that's a reality. And everybody knows that. That's not a threat. That's not a empty promise. That's a reality. And so you have this time frame coming down going okay that uh, people understand that something needs to get done in, in, in the Middle East when it comes to this. Now of course that's kind of a separate issue with the JCPOA but it almost seems like that's irrelevant at this point that Iran's so far beyond being able to be restrained by uh, sanctions or anything like that that they or by monitoring that they're so close they're not going to turn back now. And so that, um, they're still trying to do it. Biden administration is still trying to pull that together somehow. I mean, I guess it's probably a good effort to avoid war because that's what will happen next. But I don't think it's any. There's a likelihood of that at all. I think that again. I think what'll happen is is as we get towards the tribulation period, and and it'll just be one more element of that. But for now, we can say that that is certainly increasing the desire for Middle East peace, for that issue to be resolved as well. Um, and also, just I think it was yesterday, the day before, the Palestinian Authority President Abbas said at the United States or United Nations General Assembly that Israel has 12 months to unoccupy, put that in quotes, occupied, put that in quotes because it's not occupied, territories. To back to the 1967 border, so basically to withdraw from Gaza, withdraw from the Gaza Strip, to withdraw from um, East Jerusalem, and to basically pull out of there. And you know, 
threats back and forth are not anything new but this is to me another um, it adds more importance to Middle East peace that, that they're giving this I don't know what they would do after 12 months in order to or I think they said they would no longer recognize Israel as a state so I guess that would be significant enough but that's just more fuel to the need for Middle East peace so there's just an increasing intensity for the need of this uh, Middle East a broad Middle East peace agreement again I think that the next broad Middle East peace agreement will be the tribulation agreement we'll know that if it's seven years that's how we'll know if the tribulation if it is a tribulation agreement again there's really no it won't be a mystery when the tribulation begins a seven-year peace agreement and it'll be a pretty broad one involving Israel will be the tribulation agreement so and we'll talk a little bit more about the removal of Christ's true church beforehand which I believe I'm a pre-tribber if you listen to me you know that but I will talk about that here in a little bit but speaking of the seven-year peace agreement involving Israel this is something I just I heard I saw a video a YouTube video somebody talking about um, the United Nations uh, climate conference coming up in Italy on November 12th. Okay, and of course the Pope is going to be there, and it's, it's it's on climate. It's not the General Assembly that they're having now. That's from the 21st through the 30th. I think that ends Monday or Tuesday. Is I almost waited for this podcast because Bennett is going to be speaking on Monday, and I thought that might be interesting to listen to. And I may do another one if it's something really significant. But anyway, so I was listening to this video, and they were talking about how they thought that the uh, at this climate conference, the seven-year, um, and so where this that there's going to be some some kind of a seven-year thing with the Pope and the you know the Vatican and the Catholic Church have been, uh, and they're going to try and press the United Nations to sign on to this thing. Okay, now what this is called is. I'd never heard of this, and I'm surprised I had. Laudato C. You can look it up. You can Google it. It's L-A-U-D-A-T-O space S-I. And I had just, for whatever reason, this escaped my radar. It was back in May where this was basically a, just a big climate change. Um, I don't know what, what I'm, uh, encyclical. I don't think it was an encyclical, but it was... Um, uh, some kind of movement within the Catholic Church and they named it Laudato Si and what caught my attention of it was it was it is a seven year journey and when he said that I thought well it actually kind of freaked me out a minute I was like because I didn't understand that this thing had already started this seven year journey quote unquote towards climate it's basically towards you know changing the world and changing the climate so we'd have uh, a a uh, safe planet and everything else if you've listened to me at all you know my views on climate change I don't think it's biblical so I don't I know how the world ends and it's not through what they're saying but regardless that's their ideas go on the seven-year journey with us through these different steps and we'll at the end of this seven-year journey we'll have you know a much better climate friendly world to live in and so, but anyway, the seven years is what caught my attention. So I looked it up, and I did. It's, it's a seven-year journey. But but what I didn't understand at the, at the exact time was it's already begun. They they began that in May. So 
it's not the tribulation agreement. This guy was claiming that in November, that they're, if they get the, if the Pope convinces the United Nations to sign on to this thing, that could be the seven-year tribulation agreement. Again, when I heard first heard it, I thought, what? You know, I'm, I looked into it. But as I understand it, this has already started. They want then, so you they would want others to join in. But I do think it's worth mentioning because I have thought this. You know, the seven years, where is that going to come from? It's going. You know, that's a very significant. Uh, detail. Like I said, the 80 piece agreement that's not seven years is not the tribulation agreement. If it's eight years, it's not. If it's six years, it's not. If it's one year, whatever it is, it's specific to a week of years. And so when I heard this seven year, that's the first time I've heard this, that anything seven years. And so I thought, well, you know, it could be significant. And it's hard to know, obviously, where the seven year term is going to come from, from the tribulation agreement, how that's going to come about. Um, my, my thought has always been, you know, it'll be part of a process, obviously, but then, the, you know, it'll almost be like mocking the Bible, where, where a man would make a covenant with Israel for seven years in, in basically mocking, you know, the Scriptures. Because the person, the Antichrist is going to be obviously an unbeliever. He's not going to believe the Scriptures. He'll never know he's the Antichrist, you know, he, until when Christ returns and kills him. He'll throws him into the lake of fire alive actually he'll i don't know what he'll understand at that point but up to that point he does he will not know he's the antichrist so these you know any unbelievers blind and obviously the antichrist can be blind to scripture so they don't believe that there's a seven-year peace agreement involving israel that if that happens it has anything to do with jesus christ's return because they're unbelievers so i've always thought that the antichrist would do this in a mocking sense like oh why don't we make this wink wink seven years like mocking scripture and that may be what happens, or it may be some other way that seven years is, is is brought about to be the term. But is it theoretically possible that although this thing has already started, that this would be the somehow the foundation of that term where this is brought into? Just the only reason it gets my attention because I think we're so close that anything that mentions seven years is worth examining, in my opinion. And and what. I've struggled with a little bit now with learning this is especially in light of this United Nations climate conference which will be held in in November you can look that up you can just type it Google COP 26 and it'll come up and I, I believe with all, almost all my heart as much as I can believe uh, that the United Nations is going to be the seat of the Antichrist that's where the power is going to come from is the, is the United Nations I think it only makes sense that way at this point in time. Again, assuming we're close. And so everything they do, I pay attention to. And so, and of course, they're obsessed with climate change. That's the whole thing. COVID and climate change are the two things. If you watch the General Assembly, you can watch the watch them on YouTube live, or you can watch the ones that have already spoken. It's the same thing. COVID, climate change. We need everybody needs to come together to solve COVID and climate change. And so, last year was more COVID some climate change but now it's just everything is climate change and again i've said this and i'll say this again that these what are happening are god's birth pangs god's warning signs that the end of the age is coming and part of that is increase in weather in, in is in cataclysmic weather events no doubt about that but he's in control of that and so all the all unbelievers are doing is just receiving that as in everything that happens is climate change now no matter what wildfires hurricanes, 
volcanoes, whatever it is, they just ex immediately explain away. And it's, it's almost to the point where it's a universal belief, where you're a fool if you don't believe in climate change. And I don't believe in climate change, again, because biblically, God's in control of the weather. I've said this. Can poor stewardship of our resources cause pollution? Yes, I believe that. No doubt about that. But can we create weather events when it comes to poor stewardship? I do not believe that. Because scripturally, God is in control of weather. Period. He sends the rain. He sends the wind. He's in control. And I have a whole thing against the biblical problems with climate change, which maybe I'll go through sometime. But, so everything's climate change right now. Everything. And so thinking in my heart that we are absolutely on the precipice of the rapture of the church and the tribulation and everything in the world is about climate change somehow that's going to be fitted that's going to fit into the tribulation agreement probably somehow i guess and again i've always assumed and i still do that the tribulation agreement is going to be primarily about middle east peace primarily about israel and what's going on over there and i've said like i said earlier the linchpin will be the palestinian israeli Conflict. So I do think that, and I still think that, because it's about Israel. It's not about climate change. But I definitely, you know, it's assume it's it very likely, at least possibly, climate change would be part of a tribulation agreement. Okay, I, I, that's just the best I can say. But the reason I bring that up, I had never really thought about that. To be honest, I thought I thought climate change would be used to explain away judgments now as they are, and also in the tribulation, at least early in the tribulation period. These things get worse. The weather events will get worse in the tribulation period. And, and I think initially they're going to all be saying the same thing. Uh, climate change. Uh, we haven't done enough. And then I think if you read Revelation and understand it later on, and it's in the latter, latter half, that people start to understand these are from God. And, they, and probably climate change will close out the window. But it, it, sadly, at that point, they re still refuse to repent. Unbelievers do a lot of them. But they come to the conclusion these are direct judgments from God. Where right now... Everything is just has nothing to do with God. It has to do with climate, pollution, and climate. And so, again, how that fits into the tribulation agreement, I'm not sure. But I hadn't thought about it up until now. Where I, and the only reason I do now is because I see this seven-year pop up in in the Catholic push for climate change here, and I do think Pope Francis is if he survives is you know, if you just look at my website I think he's a pretty good candidate for the false prophet I think he's a very good candidate for the person who unifies the world into one religion in the in the first half of the tribulation period if, if again considering his age his health you know that's my only concern but he's got the absolute prototypical attitude of ecumenism that would be the person to lead this and every, the world loves him. Unbelieving world loves him. And uh, and so I definitely think he's involved. And, I've, and again, if he survives, I think he'll be the false prophet if we are close. Only God knows. So I don't name, like I said, he is. I'm just saying he's like the perfect candidate for it. And so I, and I do believe the Catholic religion, the false religion, not Christianity, the false religion of Catholicism will be the seat of the, will be a big chunk of the, one world religion in the tribulation period and so that and that's nothing new you can just read that on my website that I, that I believe he's the one and he's doing he's being very effective in bringing people together from all religions because he's not a christian and it's not a christian it's, catholicism is not christian 
Anyway, you can look back on a lot of... You can look on my website or previous podcasts where I deal with Catholicism directly. But anyway, so coming back here to where I'm talking about this 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 Laudato Si. And I'll see if I can look it up real quick and have some of the steps in front of me. Because I looked into it pretty, pretty closely and then, of course, I went on to other things. And... Uh, uh, and again, I think he launched it in May. I think he launched it in May. And then there's, uh, there's like goals and steps, and, you know, I wish I would have marked that. Somehow marked that. Bookmarked that. Mm, I had, uh, actually the direct website. Again, he announced, he announced this on May 25th, 2000. I can't believe. 2021. I can't believe I didn't pick up on this. It's probably a good thing because I probably would have freaked out with the seven-year thing. But like I said, it's already in, it's already going, and so it's not it's not the, obviously that wasn't the beginning of the tribulation in May. So, all right. Well, regardless, the point is is that could that somehow be where the seven-year comes from, where that is somehow rolled into this broad agreement? After the rapture of the church, and the, and they and it's this seven-year journey. Again, it would have to be reset, obviously, if it's already going on. Maybe I don't know. I, I just for whatever reason, that seven-year really got my attention. Because if you see seven years, it ought to get your attention as we approach the tribulation period. Because he, because it's seven-year peace agreement involving Israel, is the one is the agreement that begins the tribulation period. All right, and finally, speaking of the Catholic Church, I, you know, kind of studying that out as well, I also saw this guy named Peter Turkson, who could be the next pope, is actually politically more left of Francis. So as I was talking talk about earlier, I do think Pope Francis is a very, very, very good candidate. If we're very, if we're close to, if the tribulation agreement is in the near, very near future, then he would fit the role of false prophet very very almost perfectly but having said that his age is always what uh, thought maybe not because he's got to make it to the midpoint because the midpoint is when the false prophet is begins it points to the antichrist and then you have to take the mark and everything else and so that's still three and a half that would be at least three and a half I'm assuming it starts immediately so it'd be three and a half plus years of and uh, but anyway regardless the guy who would likely be the next pope is actually more left of francis and so i just thought that was worth noting he's a younger a little bit younger guy and so if for whatever reason pope francis was not able to was you know either died or something else happened where he was now no longer the pope it seems like this guy who would be even left of him more into climate change more into all the same things would replace him so just continue on again i have no idea i don't really know much about peter turkson other than i've heard he's very very left politically left like francis so i thought that was notable and and finally like i said every time i have a podcast i'm more convinced that we are indeed truly approaching the tribulation period now Again, I'm not 
uh, anybody who ever sets a date or a month or a season or a holiday or a festival day that they think would be more likely to be the day of the rapture I think is not a good idea it's, it's sinful to call a day for sure I wouldn't even say it's more likely to happen on you know I hear people talk about the Feast of Trumpets or whatever else I think you just cannot know the day and you can't know the sea you don't, and the amazing thing about how God's doing this in my mind is that as imminent as it seems that we're that close that it could still stretch out for a couple more years I mean it just could I thought for sure at the end of last year that there's no way that the church would still be here at this time right now I really believe that and I'm thinking the same thing of next year but again only God knows so I'm not somebody who will ever say it's going to happen in 21 it's going to happen in 22 it's going to happen by 2030 never 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 will say that because that's sinful but again I think we're we're just incredibly incredibly close it wouldn't surprise me if it was today but it also would surprise me if it was theoretically two or three years from now I and the Lord knows and he can he can uh, stretch it out to a decade if he wanted to or however long and there's a small fraction I think in my mind at least that maybe I'm completely not seeing this wrong and it's 100 years from now or a thousand years from now I don't completely rule that out because I'm a finite sinful human being but I'm fully convinced that we're very close again and finally I'll just say this I say this frequently the hidden accelerant is the removal of Christ's true church so I see everything going together like as if there is no that there wouldn't even be a need for a rapture for this all to come together it just seems to be coming together on its own but I am pre-trib and I think it makes more, way more sense. I'm not 100% pre-trib, but 95% pre-trib. But I think it makes a lot more sense to, for the rapture to be before the tribulation period. Again, I don't think it's very far before the tribulation period. I think it's almost very, very... Uh, the time between the rapture and the tribulation is very... I don't think it's going to be very long. Because I see it happening now, coming together. But I do think it's the final event that causes all of these other things that are building together to converge completely and for that agreement to be made and, and to, send, to send the world into the tribulation period. So that's what I have. Um, we will see what happens. Again, uh, the United States General Assembly is always something that catches my attention because I do think that they are going to be the source of the global government that the Antichrist rules during the tribulation period. At least it'll start there. I don't know if it'll end there, but it'll start there. And so the, that assembly is going on through the 30th, and again, Bennett speaks on, speaks tomorrow, and that'll be interesting to, to listen to. It's just very similar things talked about. It's all about the Israeli-Palestinian issue, getting that resolved. And I do think, like I said, that will be part of the tribulation period. All right, well, I appreciate your time, and as if you listen to me, you know that I close every podcast with a 30-second biblical gospel presentation because knowing these things, or even if they, you know, say the rapture happens and the seven-year peace agreement involving Israel occurs in the very near future, as I believe it will, that's not going to save you believing that. You could actually hear this, see it happen, and if you're not converted, if you don't have saving faith in Christ, then... You'll just explain it away. Just like everybody who saw, most people who saw Christ's miracles when he was here the first time, they explained away his miracles. Because the thing about unbelief is 
the reason um, unbelief is is sourced in love for sin and so if you love sin and you're not converted you'll you can explain away anything you can justify anything that you do but you can also explain away anything that you see and so you're saved through faith in the gospel and only God, God's in control of who gets saved and when they get saved. But on a human level, you're everybody's commanded to repent and believe. And you would not, you know, if the timing and these things that I'm talking about is right, obviously it would be better to get converted before the tribulation period because that will be the worst time in human history. But we, you don't know if you'll live your live this day out, regardless of eschatology. And so that's why the gospel of Jesus Christ is incredibly important to you today and you also need to understand that there's not there's you know not everybody in the world doesn't get to hear the gospel it's a gospel the gospel getting to somebody is a grace of god in and of itself let alone him helping you causing you to believe but just hearing the gospel is a privilege you know not because of the messenger obviously not me or anybody else but because of the, the message is the power of god to salvation to everyone who believes in romans 1 16. And so the most important thing you can do is genuinely hear the gospel, consider it in your heart, and ask God for the grace for you to believe it. Because that's the only way you can get your sins forgiven, is by faith in the gospel. Alright, so one day we will all face the one true and living holy God. You need to have your sins forgiven and be reconciled to him before that occurs. In God's great love, he has mercifully made a way. And that only happens biblically by repentance and that is confessing your sinfulness and hopelessness from your heart to God. It's not a claim to, okay, I'm going to start doing better. I'm going to turn away from these sins, and I'm going to stop doing this, and I'm going to start doing that. That's not what repentance is. Repentance is, is a declaration of hopelessness that you can't do any of that. You can't stop sinning, and you can't reform yourself. Not in the least bit. So it's just a basically a, it's claiming spiritual bankruptcy you have nothing and you know you're guilty and you're worthy of wrath because you are and so am I and so is everybody so it's repentance one and faith and it's believing the gospel the gospel is the person and work of Jesus Christ so you believe who Jesus Christ is that he's truly man and the one true God he is he's he Jesus Christ is a human being he still is he's exalted on high he's glorified human being now but he's also the one true God and you trust only in his redemptive work. Perfect life, death for sin, death on a cross for the sins of sinners, and resurrection for your salvation. So you believe who he is, and you trust in what he's done. That's the gospel. The person and work of Jesus Christ. To be received humbly by faith. The humbly is the repentance part. You, you're like, oh no, I know I need a savior. And then you believe in the savior. So repentance is built into saving faith because you, in order for you to believe that Jesus Christ died for your sins, you have to know that your sins are worthy of death, and they are. Not just physical, but eternal, spiritual death. And if you genuinely do, if you genuinely believe, you will be instantly and permanently covered by the righteousness of Christ, and he will have been treated as if he committed all of your past, present, and future sins. That's how conversion works. That's how the forgiveness of sins works. That's why, you, if you truly believe, you're completely justified at the very, very second of faith. You're declared righteous forever. You know, and there's a struggle a lot of people have, even true believers, but certainly false Christianity like Catholicism would immediately reject that. But the truth of Scripture is that you, when you believe, 
you are declared righteous. You are saved and declared you are covered by the righteousness of Christ. And then he, he died for your sins. He actually paid the sin debt. He was treated as if he committed your sins. So God treats you as if you lived Christ's life and you didn't. And he treated Christ as if he lived your life. And of course he didn't. He lived without sin. So it's the double exchange that, that occurs at salvation. And that's the only salvation. You don't. There is no other biblical salvation. It's not you believe on Him and then you hold on and you try and obey and just you know keep repenting. And if you, you keep repenting, then you're okay. But if you stop repenting, and then well, then you fall away. It's not biblical because that would make you your own savior. That's not how it works. You receive Christ genuinely in your heart by faith. You are permanently saved. But if you refuse the offer of the gospel of Jesus Christ, there's only one offer of salvation. There's not two, there's not three, there's not, there's one. And that is Christ. You either get judged by what he's done or what you've done. And then if you refuse, you will be judged according to your works. And unless you have lived without even one sin like Christ will end in eternal conscious condemnation. What sends a person to hell are unforgiven sins. That's what sends a person to hell. And the only way that a person can have their sins forgiven is if they believe the gospel. And that's it. And so, the, the, the another truth that I constantly emphasize with people, especially people who are trying to be self-righteous, that's what I was when I was growing up. I was semi-church. Thought I was a Christian. If you would ask me, I was a Christian. But if you'd ask me to explain that, I, it would have been more like this. Well, I know I'm a good, I'm a pretty good person. I know I do some bad things, but I think I outweigh that with the good. You know, it's kind of like that whole. I think it's a very common thing in America is where you're just trying to do a little bit more than good on than bad. And it's moralism is all that is. You're you're trying to justify yourself before a perfectly holy God by your own morality. And at that time, I was, I mean, it was staggering how sinful I was and again as we talked about earlier you can justify anything you want to do as an unbeliever and you will as much as you can get away with you'll do and you'll explain it away and you actually might even convince yourself you're righteous while you're doing all these sins sad reality of, of deception is it can lead you to pretty insane places but if you've committed even one sin before God you're damned forever that's how holy he is he is the biblical standard is absolute perfect righteousness, and how could it be any other way? God is holy. How could he overlook sin and not punish it? He can't. Not one. And again, the fact that anybody has ever committed one sin is laughable. To, to an unbeliever to commit one sin within a minute is laughable. So it's just a pile and pile and pile of sins. And so, that's why you need Christ. You either have his righteousness or yours. It's really the, it's pretty, the gospel is simple. It's, it's hard to believe because of our love for sin, but it's very simple. So I hope this has been a, uh, an encouragement. And like I said, it's been a while since I did a podcast, but I will, we'll see. Maybe I'll do it in a couple weeks. Maybe I'll wait and see what happens. But I, I think if you're a Christian, I think we live in incredible incredible times that we get to see these things occurring and we which again the important thing is is Christ would take his church Christ would be exalted at the end of the tribulation period this is easy for me to forget this is the the tribulation period is about Jesus Christ and his return to save Israel 
which he will at the end of the tribulation period. But it's hard to get kind of past the mid or past the tribulation period in my mind when we're not there quite yet and uh, have to go through it. The bully, or you know, uh, the world has to go through it. And so, all right. Well, until next time, may Christ be praised and known.